This is Over the Culture Podcast, where you get to hear my spin on things I like, like music, sports, sports entertainment, movies, TV shows, and your mom. You also get to hear about things I don't like, like that damn Steph Curry. And I'm your bastard of ceremonies, the one geek kid, Pat Stay Black, Alex Treblack, Reaper Sutherland, Luke Fly, Talker, the most interesting blurred in podcasting, the troller of trolls, the prince of petty, Steve G. It's July 24th, 2022. Actually, yesterday was July 24th, 2022. That's right. Another late entry of Over the Culture podcast. Uh, This time around, Steve was on some trash. I was on some bullshit. Um, I think this is what, the third week in a row, fourth week? I don't know. I think the whole month of July has been late episodes. Uh, Not meeting my own deadlines, but fuck. It's been it's been a rough summer. Uh, if if you haven't noticed, uh, if if you've been keeping up, I, I need to just retool this show and call it Stephen Garrett's Toxic Podcast Show. Ah, fuck summer. Just woke up and I just didn't feel like doing shit. I didn't want to fucking record. I just uh just watch TV be on my phone and bullshit and the shitty thing about that I, I like to think I'm not a bullshit ass nigga but yeah th- this whole summer has been on some bullshit despite my efforts it's kind of I don't know discouraging you're on your way to work and your fucking tire blows out uh, or your tire just refuses to accelerate Ugh, what the fuck is it this time you get an offer to do a $7,000 job for voiceovers and as you prepare to record the fucking mic malfunctions USB port is just fucking it just snaps off breaks off your favorite band of all time of all fucking time Not just of the 90s, not of the 2000s. Your favorite fucking band of all time decides to go on tour while you are dealing with financial strife. And better, how about this? One of your best friends actually has a ticket waiting for you. You just pay him later and you just can't even do that. That's right. That adds to my toxic summer. Rage Against the Machine has been on tour since earlier i think beginning of july yeah and uh yeah i was slated to go with my friend mo uh on the first day on the first day of the tour and uh he's got his tickets and it's just things have been really tight with steve g i don't know man maybe i could have made it it would have i think it was in east troy wisconsin but I would have not only had to pay for the ticket, which wasn't like a lot, but flights are fucking expensive. Flights are through the fucking roof. Flights are sky high. No pun intended. Maybe. So yeah, maybe uh, if fortune changes, uh, I can finagle my way into one of these tours, uh, one of these shows on the tour. Maybe they'll come around Georgia, but I haven't even bothered to look. Because I just know right now, I ain't got it. 
I don't. One of these days, as long as all of the founding members of that band are alive, maybe, just maybe, I can check that off my bucket list. Looking forward to seeing Wu-Tang Clan. That's a bucket list item. I've seen Method Man. I've seen Ghostface. Uh, I've seen Capadonna. No, I didn't, that wasn't Capadonna. But I've seen Method Man and I've seen Ghostface. But as a collective, this is going to be my first time seeing Wu, and that is my favorite group of all time, my favorite hip-hop group of all time. Uh, unfortunately, uh, ODB won't be with him. Uh, he passed away, I don't know, was it 04, 05? Yeah, I believe it was 04. But I digress. Now, big ticket item over the week. Vince McMahon steps down as CEO of WWE, and uh, the, the time has been come. The time was long overdue. I, I've said that, you know, the man has fell out of touch with the people, with what people want. You know, I feel like he was always ahead of the wave, ahead of the curve. And that's what's gotten him to where he's at. He thought big. All of these regional owners, the the owners in Texas, the owners in Florida, Florida, the owner in St. Louis, Kansas City, Tennessee. He bought those motherfuckers out. He, he went against the rule. Like, you're supposed to respect the rule of, hey, man, don't step on these people's shoes. Respect these territories. We can borrow each other's performers. You know, conduct business like men. We'll handshake. All of that. That was the general rule back in the day. Like, before my time back in the day. The territories, like, they, they had their thing. You respected that. And you did your thing in your territory. And that's what Vince's dad did. And he kind of told him before he passed, like, hey, man, I know, like, you're about to buy this company off of me, but respect the rule. Don't step on the territories. And Vince said, sure, pops. He bought WWF in the early 80s, and he said, fuck that shit. I'm buying all these hoes out. I'm buying y'all's best people. Come here, Hogan. Come here, Randy. Hey, you. Long-haired mullet guy. Lanky-ass mullet guy. I'm going to buy you over here, and I'm going to give you a snake. Call you Jake the fucking snake. Hey, you guy over there. I'm going to buy you and give you a two-by-four and call you Hacksaw Jim Duggan. All of these characters, man, that Vince, not just himself, he had a team. He had a team of writers, uh, a team of brain children that came up with these characters as well, man. But it was under his regime that we came to know about a lot of these uh, monolithic, just, I ain't even going to say monolithic, that sounds degrading just these monstrous pop cultural icons it was under his regime that we knew who Hulk Hogan was Ultimate Warrior Randy Savage the Macho Man 
Brutus the Barber Beefcake, The Bushwhackers, Demolition, Jake the Snake, Ravishing Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, Shawn Michaels, The Generation X, Bret Hart, Owen Hart. It was under his regime we found out about Stone Cold, The Rock, Undertaker, Mankind, Cactus Jack. But Cactus Jack was known before he joined WWE. But you get the picture. Vince has been that dude. And, uh, you know, shit hit the fan, man. You know, he got caught dipping his pen in the company ink. And he's been doing this for far too long. Linda, his wife, she's had to know about it. His kids, Stephanie, Shane, they, they know they daddy dirty. No, they know he been out here sharing dangalang. Had to. He's Vince McMahon, damn it. He owns this shit. I can buy you, ho, cause bitch, I'm rich. He was probably fucking all them bum, uh, fucking sable. He was probably tapping that shit. Sonny, tapping that shit. Trish, he probably smashed. Maybe he didn't, but I'm sure he smashed some of them because he's Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon is no more. I mean, he's still with us, knock on wood for for the time being. But uh, at 77, man, he, he called it quits. And now Stephanie McMahon, his daughter, is stepping in. So I'm sure he's still going to be involved maybe in the behind the scenes, behind the scenes, because, I mean, he's the guy that fucking brought this milkshake to the yard. He was that dude, man. He's still that dude. And, you know, I'm going to be real with y'all, man. When that man passes away, I just might have to call off work because it's that crucial to me. If it wasn't for Vince McMahon, I I don't know what my childhood would be like. And by extension, I don't know what my life would be like. I still uh, resort to these characters from the 80s and the 90s. I'm still fond of. Hulk Hogan was like my first superhero. And I've said this before, I like I wasn't a comic book guy. Wrestlers, those were my comic book heroes. Ultimate Warrior, man, these guys were larger than life. Andre the Giant, all of that shit. Million Dollar Man, these guys, like, that was my Lex Luthor. And, uh, you know, the time has come, like, like I said, he's lost touch with what the people want. But it's still, it sucks. And, and I hate that the man's going out like this. It's probably not how he wants to exit. You want, you want to bow down gracefully. It's one of the 48 laws of power, man. Know how to exit. And uh, this is kind of a, a shameful exit, man. This is a probably not his ideal way of stepping down and letting hold of the reins. But uh, yeah, man, hopefully things will pick back up for the company. I just I've heard that uh, SummerSlam is coming up. It's around that this time. And um, maybe I'll watch it. Maybe. We'll see. But uh, Steph Curry, man, I, I want to speak on this shit. So Steph Curry hosted the ESPYs. And uh, I, I only saw a five minute clip of his monologue of him trying to tell jokes that didn't land. And uh, I, I got to say, he ain't it. 
Like, just continue playing basketball, bro. And, you know, I, I, I blame y'all, not all y'all, but I know some of y'all who are Kerball, Curry fans. Uh, y'all y'all love y'all some Wardale. I feel like those people are responsible for this. Y'all allow that shit to happen. Y'all just got this man thinking, oh, my God, he's the greatest shooter. He's cool. He's He's got charisma. Like, no, man, some people are just good at that one thing. Because Wardell, Stephon Curry, you are not LeBron Raymond James. He's got it. He's got the chops. He's got that charisma. He can tell jokes that can land. Steph Curry, maybe you were better off doing some uh, Nickelodeon Teen Award type shit. Where, where kids are going to just laugh at your shit because you're Steph Curry. When you're telling those jokes in front of adults, that shit got a hit. It's just like a comedy show. When you're hosting some kind of award show, you want to fucking entertain the people. And them grown adults ain't got to laugh at your shit if it ain't funny. That whole popularity contest, oh, like, motherfucker, everybody in the audience is popular. You got NFL players, MLB players, uh, other NBA players, coaches, managers, and owners, and other and fucking entertainers. You got actors and comedians in, the, in attendance and shit. So be funny. Peyton Manning did better. One of the jokes, I think he started off with the, yeah, so LeBron hosted in 2007, you know, but his team got swept in the finals. So I'm hosting for the first time after my fourth championship and my first finals MVP. So I think this is one, this one's better. Yeah, uh, you could look at it like that, but you could also look at it as it took you four fucking championships and your fucking first finals MVP to get selected and chosen as the ESPYs award host. Bitch, LeBron did that shit in 07. Eat a dick. Eat a dick. And this is only his, that was his, what, fourth year in the league? He got drafted in 03. And he hosted SNL. Have you hosted SNL, Wardell? Dude is lame to me. Like, yeah, dude, he's a great basketball player. You could still be a lame-ass fucking talented athlete. Corny. And that's coming from, like, a self-acclaimed corny black man. Steph Curry is corny. Steph Corny. There we go. I, your wife even thinks you're corny. That's why she's doing that old ball head hoe, hot girl summer Jada Pickett Smith bullshit. Why you gotta be in the mix? You know, when Michael Jordan was winning championships and MVPs and having cartoons and doing Gatorade commercials and shit and beating niggas overseas with the Dream Team, you know what Juanita Jordan was doing? She was helping raise her babies and fucking winning court cases because she's a lawyer getting to her own bag. Yeah. I know who my husband is. Everybody knows who my husband is, but shit. I'm Juanita Jordan and uh, I'm a lawyer. This bitch gotta have a cooking show, bitch. Did you intern with Paula Dean, Rachel Ray? Well, how you just, oh, because you Steph Curry's wife. Is your shit even good? Where your restaurants at? Where's your credentials? Aisha. I don't like that bitch. I don't like the bitch. I don't, I don't like Steph Curry. I don't care for him. Fuck y'all. Hey, 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 hey. I don't care. I own that shit. So yeah, Steph Curry's performance, the jokes didn't land, uh, unlike his three-pointers. Uh, yeah, probably your first and last time. They could have got Charles Barkley. 
It's the off season. What's he doing? Uh, playing golf shittily? They could have brought LeBron back. He's been on break since shit. I don't know. March? Now on Friday, Joey Badass releases his latest album, 2000. And it's 14 tracks, 52 minutes and 54 seconds. It's got features from Jid, Chris Brown, Capella Gray, Larry June, Westside Gun, and Diddy. The first track is called The Baddest, and that's the track with Diddy. Um, I added... I added the baddest. Uh, that's a good track. Um, I added probably might be like one or two songs out of these 14 tracks I didn't add to my playlist, man, because the album is that good. Uh, Joey got bars. Joey badass got bars, man, and he's a youngin. Uh, he's the brother was born in the 90s. I believe he was born in 95. So any person, I mean, you could have been born in 90 uh, and be 32 now. Uh, to me, if you were born in the 90s, you're a youngin. And uh, this youngin, he got it, man. Um, keeping this legacy of hip-hop afloat, man. Uh, a, a torchbearer of sorts. So yeah, man, Joey Badass. Please check that out if you like great hip-hop. 2000 is the name of the album. But all things July 24th, even though it's July 25th. In 1974, Death Wish premiered. It's based on the novel by Brian Garfield, directed by Michael Winner and starring Charles Bronson, released in the U.S. In 1987, La Bamba. Man, that's a classic. Ricky! Summer School premiered in theaters as well. Uh, in one of the shittiest movies of all time, one of the shittiest comic book-based movies, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. If, if you have not seen that, you're not missing anything at all. It's just unwatchable. I tried to watch it and I fell asleep like within a half hour. And uh, in 1990, two live crew releases Band in the USA, Pantera releases Cowboys from Hell, Winger. Remember Winger? They release In the Heart of the Young and Master Ace releases Take a Look Around. Master Ace, man. In 1992, the films Mistress, Mom and Dad Save the World, and Mo Money were released in theaters. In 1997, George Harrison appears on a VH1 special to promote his friend Ravi Shankar's album, Chance of India. This would prove to be Harrison's final television appearance, RIP. In 1998, the films Disturbing Behavior, Mafia, and Saving Private Ryan premiered in theaters. Uh, Saving Private Ryan is a lot of people's favorite war movie um it's up there for me I, I don't know it's no tropic thunder though in 2001 cormega releases the realness in 2004 the infamous fight between jason veritek and alex rodriguez occurs during a red sox yankees game on fox that same night the red sox came back with a two-run walk-off homer by bill mueller against the closer mariano rivera the goat of closers in 2005, WWE releases The Great American Bash 05 on pay-per-view. In 2009, Blink-182 start their reunion tour, Blink-182 in concert, with Fall Out Boy and Weezer. In 2014, The Wolverine premiered in theaters. In 2015, the films Pixels and Southpaw premiered in theaters, as well as Hobson releasing his album Pound Syndrome and Jill Scott releasing the album Woman. There were also two terminations in 2015. 
The first one was uh, World Wrestling Entertainment officially releasing Hulk Hogan from his contract that he's dropped as a judge on WWE Tough Enough and in removes products, merchandise, and related images, including his WWE Hall of Fame induction from their website after additional footage from a 2012 sex tape surface in which he made racially charged rants about who he'd rather see his daughter Brooke dating, uh, speaking on an African-American who she suspected of dating at the time, as well as a separate comment involving Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Hogan has since apologized for his actions. And the other termination was ESPN officially terminating television and radio personality Colin Cowherd after he made negative comments about baseball players from the Dominican Republic on his radio program, The Herd. Uh, and it was a show simulcast on ESPNU, which was condemned by Major League Baseball and its Players Association. Cowherd had planned to leave ESPN after July 31st to join Fox Sports, but the network decided to expedite his departure immediately. In 2016, WWE releases the pay-per-view Battleground 16. In 2018, singer Demi Lovato is hospitalized after a drug overdose in Los Angeles. In 2020, Currency and Harry Fraud release the album The Outrunners, Banger, and Logic releases No Pressure. But more important to me than all of that shit, in 1996, A Time to Kill premiered in theaters. And I remember seeing this movie with my aunt. Shout out to my aunt Stacy. Uh, she had took me out to see that movie, man. And uh, it's a profound film. Uh, great story. Um... It tugs at the heartstrings. It really does. And this was the film that helped me decide that Samuel Jackson is my favorite actor of all time. And I'm sorry, Saving Private Ryan. I know you're a big deal. You happened in 98, and this was directed by Steven Spielberg. It had Matt Damon, Tom Hanks. It had some studs in there, man. And it is one of my favorite war films of all time. But man, A Time to Kill, like that was my shit. Samuel Jackson, Matthew McConaughey, Sandra Bullock, Donald and Kiefer Sutherland. And Kevin Spacey's. Directed by Joel Schumacher, man. Uh, yes, I deserve to die and I hope they burn in hell. That was my shit. When he said that shit, oh my God, you felt that. Today in sports history, in 1949, Indian pitcher Bob Lemon hits two home runs to beat the Senators 7-5. Go Ohio, go Tribe. In 1958, Ted Williams is fined $250 for spitting at a Boston fan, again. In 1961, Roger Maris hits four home runs in a doubleheader. In 1965, Casey Stingle resigns as manager of the New York Mets. In 1967, race riots in Detroit forced postponement of the Tigers-Orioles game. 1968, Hoyt Wilhelm pitches in a record 907th Major League game, breaking Cy Young's record for pitching appearances. In 1973, the 44th All-Star Baseball game is held. The National League wins 7-1 at Royal Stadium in Kansas City. The All-Star MVP is Bobby Bonds of the San Francisco Giants. In 1977, Pete Rose passes Frankie Frisch 
as the Switch hit leader with 2,881 hits. Speaking of Charlie Hustle, in 1978, Pete Rose ties the National League hitting streak of 37 games. In 1979, Red Sox Carl Yastrzemski hits his 400th home run. In 1983, the Pine Tar game is held. George Brett's home run is disallowed against the Yankees. It's overturned. In 1992, Faye Vincent reinstates Yankee owner George Steinbrenner. In 1993, New York Met Vince Coleman injures three people when he throws a cherry bomb at Dodgers fans. And that was my half-assed sports report. Coming up, I'm going to be talking about the film A Time to Kill, as it was released on July 24th, 1996. We'll be black after these messages. Ninjas better recognize in the lakes. I'm Jaws, got them all terrorized. Protagonized, cause I'm anti villainous. Some of these lanes act so reptilian. Snakes on the grass, so I stay on the sidewalk. Making sure I don't get out line of chalk. Yeah, in your mind, you a beast in reality. I'm in the deep sea, praying on humanities. I'm on a conquest in this Final Fantasy. I'm going over their head just like a canopy beast on a track. Nothing more, nothing less. Like Candyman 2, farewell to the flesh. I'm saying no, I'm saying no, I hit this track running, I'm like Usain Bolt. I'm saying no, I'm saying no, I hit this track running, I'm like Usain Bolt. Cause the flow goes long as the neck of an ostrich My camp's concentrated, no Auschwitz Take a phony MC and we hold up a hostage Too light to fight, you're too thin to win I am Spider-Man, Peter Parker with the pen Ready for the world like a lion out of his den Watch me eat him up alive, I'll be chewing through your skin Circle around, pray before I'm going in I'm a predator, my hitters like a shark spin Bumping with the bass lines, how we get them Pulsating in your face with a steady rhythm Now they wanna talk smack like the frog dig em. They don't know I'm one of those five dozen venoms I'm the bomb, I'm LeBron, I'll be hanging like Saddam I'll be cool, staying calm, I'm quiet before the storm I'm saying no, I'm saying no I hit this track running, I'm like Usain Bolt I'm saying no, I'm saying no I hit this track running, I'm like Usain Bolt I'm saying no, I'm saying no I hit this track running, I'm like Usain Bolt I'm saying no I'm saying no, I hit this track running, I'm like Usain Bolt
extend a special mention to those no longer with us. Last Sunday, we lost American professional football player Charles Johnson. Born Charles Everett Johnson on January 3, 1972 in San Bernardino, California, he played wide receiver for nine seasons in the National Football League. He played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Philadelphia Eagles, New England Patriots, and Buffalo Bills from 1994 to 2002, having earlier played college football for the Colorado Buffaloes. After retiring from professional football, Johnson was employed as an assistant athletic director at Heritage High School in Wake Forest, North Carolina, working with other retired NFL players, including Dwayne Washington, Willie Parker, and Torrey Holt. Johnson died on July 17, 2022, at the age of 50. The cause of death was not immediately known. On Tuesday, we lost American bass guitarist and vocalist Michael Henderson. Born Michael Earl Henderson on July 7, 1951, in Yazoo City, Mississippi, he was known for his work with Miles Davis in the early 1970s and on early fusion albums such as Jack Johnson, Live Evil, and Agartha along with a series of his own R&B and soul hits, and others featuring him on vocals, particularly the Norman Connors produced hit, You Are My Starship, in 1976, and other songs in the mid to late 1970s. At the time of his death, Henderson was in a relationship with Demia Satterfield and separated from his wife, Adelia Thompson. He had three children and lived in the Atlanta suburb of Dallas, Georgia, where he died from cancer on July 19, 2022, age 71. On Friday, we lost American outfielder Dwight Smith. Born John Dwight Smith on November 8, 1963 in Tallahassee, Florida, he played for four teams from 1989 to 1996, primarily the Chicago Cubs. As a rookie with the Cubs, he batted 324 with 52 runs batted in as the team captured a division title and he was runner-up behind teammate Jerome Walton in voting for the National League Rookie of the Year award. He was increasingly used as a pinch hitter in his five seasons with the team, however, and after a season split between two American League clubs, he enjoyed two final seasons with the Atlanta Braves, helping them win the 1995 World Series title. His son, Dwight Smith Jr., also became a Major League outfielder. Smith died on July 22, 2022, of congestive heart and lung failure, 58 at the time of his death. Walt Bellamy was an American professional basketball player. Born Walter Jones Bellamy on July 24, 1939 in New Bern, North Carolina, he was a four-time NBA All-Star and he was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. After his retirement from the NBA, Bellamy was active with the NAACP, the Urban League, and the YMCA in the Atlanta area. He served as the Goodwill Ambassador and member of the Executive Committee of the NAACP's Georgia State Conference. Bellamy was a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity. His half-brother is professional boxer Ron Bellamy. Bellamy died on November 2, 2013 at the age of 74. He was survived by his wife of 53 years, Helen Holly Raglan Bellamy, son Darren Bellamy, and two grandsons. He was buried at Atlanta's Southview Cemetery. Rest easy, y'all. On July 24, 1996, A Time to Kill premiered in theaters. A Time to Kill is an American legal drama film. It is based on John Grisham's 1989 novel of the same name. Matthew McConaughey, Sandra Bullock, and Samuel O. Jackson star with Donald and Kiefer Sutherland appearing in supporting roles. 
The film received mixed to positive reviews and was a commercial success, making $152 million at the worldwide box office. It is the second of two films based on Grisham's novels, directed by Joel Schumacher, with the other being The Client, released two years prior. In Canton, Mississippi, 10-year-old African-American girl Tanya Haley is abducted, raped, and beaten by two local white men, Billy Ray Cobb and James Willard, while on her way home. The duo dump her in a nearby river after a failed attempt to hang her. Tanya survives and the two men are arrested by Sheriff Ozzie Walls. Tanya's father, Carl Lee Haley, contacts Jake Brigance, a white lawyer who previously defended his brother. Brigance admits the possibility that the rapist will walk free. Carl Lee goes to the county courthouse and opens fire with an automatic rifle, killing both rapists and unintentionally wounding Deputy Dwayne Looney, whose leg is later amputated. Carl Lee is arrested and Brigance agrees to defend him. As the rape and subsequent revenge killing gain national media attention, District Attorney Rufus Buckley decides to seek the death penalty, and presiding Judge Omar Noose denies Brigance a change of venue to a more ethnically diverse county, meaning that Carl Lee will have an all-white jury. Brigance seeks help from his defense team, law student Ellen Rourke, close friend Harry Rex Vonner, and former mentor and longtime activist Lucian Wilbanks, a once great civil rights lawyer. Meanwhile, Billy Ray's brother, Freddie Lee Cobb, plans to avenge his brother's death by joining and enlisting the help of the Mississippi branch of the Ku Klux Klan and its grand dragon, Stump Sison, to ensure Carl Lee's conviction and death sentence by any means necessary. On the first day of the trial, the Klan rallies only to be outnumbered by counter-protesters consisting of the area's minority residents and whites who support Carl Lee. The protest erupts into a violent brawl that results in dozens of injuries and the death of Stump Sison. The Klan also begins to target brigands, assaulting his elderly secretary and her husband, who dies of a heart attack brought on by the assault. They also burn a cross on his lawn and threaten his wife and daughter. When Brigance refuses to back down, Cobb kidnaps and assaults Rourke. The Klan then increases their attacks, including burning Brigance's house. Dispirited, Brigance tells Carl Lee that there is little hope for an acquittal. Carl Lee replies that he had chosen Brigance as an attorney because he is a white man and has insight into how the jury sees Carl Lee. When you look at me, you don't see a man. You see a black man. You are my secret weapon because you are one of the bad guys. You don't mean to be, but you are. It's how you were raised. No matter how you see me, you see me different. You see me like that jury sees me. You are them. If you was on that jury, what would it take to convince you to set me free? During closing arguments, a deeply shaken brigands tells the jury to close their eyes and listen to a story. He describes in slow and painful detail the entire ordeal of Tanya, in which some of the jurors shed tears. Brigance then asked the jury in his final comment to, now imagine she's white. After deliberation, a black child runs out of the courthouse and screams, he's innocent. Jubilation ensues amongst the supporters while the Klan becomes enraged over their defeat. Meanwhile, Sheriff Walls arrests Freddie Lee for his crimes, as well as a corrupt deputy who was also revealed to be a Klan member. Brigance brings his wife and daughter to a family cookout at Carl Lee's house to celebrate his freedom, challenging Carl Lee's previous statement that their children would never play together. The film was mainly produced in and around Canton, Mississippi, using a soundstage built specifically for the production in the city's industrial park. 
Most location filming took place around the Madison County Courthouse and former county jail on the courthouse grounds. Other location filming took place in the Jackson, Mississippi metro area, including the Jackson Evers International Airport and Hines County Medical Center. Grisham had apparently not wanted to sell the film rights to the book. He sold the rights for a record $6 million. He received casting approval for the film and overruled the director's choice of Woody Harrelson as the lead role, which was based on Grisham himself. Val Kilmer was also an early contender for the role. Sandra Bullock also received $6 million for five weeks of work. The film reached number one during its first two weeks and grossed over $108 million domestically. On Rotten Tomatoes, the critics' consensus reads, Overlong and superficial, a time to kill nonetheless succeeds on the strength of its skillful craftsmanship and top-notch performances. Roger Ebert gave the film three stars out of four saying, I was absorbed by A Time to Kill and found the performances strong and convincing and added that this is the best of the film versions of Grisham novels, I think, and it has been directed with skill by Joel Schumacher. The film was not without its detractors. Anthony Puccinelli gave the film one star, calling it worthless and remarking A Time to Kill argues for vigilantism but disguises its message by making the vigilante black allowing viewers to think their bloodlust and thirst for revenge is actually empathy for the oppressed. Peter Travers felt that they, Schumacher and screenwriter Akiva Goldsman, crammed in too much, adding, this distracts from the heart of the picture, which is in the bond between Carl Lee, the brilliant Samuel Jackson who is quietly devastating, and Jake, a husband and father who knows he too would have shot anyone who raped his little girl. Gene Siskel remarked, it was an overwrought, contrived courtroom thriller cornball and concluded this story has been recycled out of countless better movies. Grisham enjoyed the film, remarking, when all was said and done, I was happy with it, happy we were able to find a kid like Matthew McConaughey. It wasn't a great movie, but it was a good one. Happy anniversary, a time to kill. And yes, Carl Lee Haley, they do deserve to die and go to hell. birthdays for July 24th. Turning 27 today is American basketball player and NBA champ Kyle Kuzma. Turning 41 is Canadian New Zealand actress Anna Paquin. Also turning 41 is American actress Elizabeth Moss. Happy 46th birthday to American basketball player Rafer Alston. Turning 47 is American model, fitness competitor, actress and professional wrestler Tori Wilson. Both turning 53 today are American actress, singer, and dancer Jennifer Lopez and Bahamian basketball player Rick Fox. Pretty motherfucker. 57th birthday to Dwayne Wayne himself, American actor, director, and screenwriter Kadeem Hardison. Turning 58 is American baseball player Barry Bonds. Turning 59 is American basketball player, coach, Actually, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, but by all accounts, one of the biggest pieces of shit ever from the NBA, Carl Malone. American director, producer, and screenwriter Gus Van Zant turns 70. American actress Linda Carter turns 71 today. Turning 76 is American comedian and actor Gallagher. Yeah, remember him? He's Gallagher, bitch. Very special. Happy 86th birthday to American actress and comedian Ruth Buzzy. 
So that wraps up another edition of Over the Culture Podcast. Please make sure to check out Happened in the 90s every Thursday with my buddy Matt G. Crush Gasm with Kendra every Wednesday. B3F Podcast with Joey and Steve. And don't worry, be movie with Amanda and Wade. Y'all be cool. Peace.